Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to another episode of Sarah Marrow Horror Fan. I'm one of your co-hosts Simon. And I'm Lee. And this is definitely not take three. Aw oh, yeah. It's a Sunday night. It's Monday morning by the time you listen to this. It could be a fucking Tuesday in 2026. Who the fuck knows? Um, but it is a Sunday night as we are recording this. It's the Super Bowl tonight. Oh, is it the Super Bowl? Yeah. I'm not. See, I'm not a football guy. I'm a soccer guy for all of our American fans, but I'm not a football American football guy. However, I am excited for Super Bowl trailers. Oh yeah, every year I get excited about Super. I have no skin in any kind of game when it comes to American mm-hmm. sport, but I do get quite excited to see the Super Bowl trailers. Isn't it? No, it's not the Deadpool trailer that's dropping. Yes, uh, Deadpool and Friend, Deadpool and Wolverine, Deadpool and Friends, or Deadpool Three. Whatever they're calling it. I heard a rumour that apparently Marvel are going to change the... Every time they release a new trailer, they're going to change a title. The title. So one of the titles they've registered is Deadpool and Friend. One is Deadpool and Friends. One is Deadpool and Wolverine. And one is Deadpool 3. And every time they release a trailer, apparently they're going to change the title. I do like that it's apparently it's a multiverse film. I'm kind of hoping it's Deadpool Kills. Yeah. Well, apparently... So if the, if you're listening to this on Monday, the day it drops, the trailer will have dropped today. It's a full two and a half minute trailer, I think. And a, I mean, I don't want to speculate because by the time it comes out, any speculation will be like gone. But uh, they dropped a, a couple of Super Bowl trailers early. They dropped one for the new Despicable Me movie where the minions apparently created AI, which I think is quite funny. It's hilarious. Um, but yeah, I'm always excited for the Super Bowl because I like the Super Bowl adverts. Yeah, I like the trailers. I like the adverts. I think they're always quite fun. And it's been a wild week in horror this week. Like we found out that we got a trailer for uh, Quiet Place Day 1 this week. I haven't seen it. Uh, look, there's a cat in it. Uh, it's a Joseph Quinn in it, which is slightly more important. Uh, yeah, there's a cat. Interesting, though, because um, now that we're talking about it, um, it's set in New York, and it's on day one of the alien invasion. And I was saying to my mum when we went out today, I was like, I don't know if it's just me or if it's like a universal thing. And I'd be very interested to hear what people's thoughts are on this. But like the trailer opens with Lupita Nyong'o like, walking down the street, and she's holding a cat. And then you see, like, it looks like shooting stars coming out of the earth. It looks like that scene in Armageddon. And then, like, the aliens attack and everything's on fire. Cars are getting flipped over. People are covered in rubble. And I was like, even now, 23 years after 9-11, there is still something really uncomfortable about seeing, like, people running around in panic in New York and yeah. stuff being destroyed. And I don't know if that's just something that we're always going to live with or it's just something that, like... I think our generation, our generation will. I think the generation after us, because I was quite young when it happened. I think I was sixteen when it happened. I was nine. Yeah. Um, I think any younger than us kind of won't really have the cognizance of remembering it happening. Yeah, well, it's a it's a subject in school now. It's part of modern history. It's terrifying. Which is do you ever, do you ever tell you about my mum when you like about how she found out nine eleven? No. Weird, weird side note for you guys. So my mum was off work ill. She mm. was really sick at the time. And she'd fallen asleep on the sofa mm. with the TV on and woke up to obviously like the live cover footage of it happening. Mm. And she thought it was a film. She was like, what fucking film is this? Like, what the fuck? What? Yeah. And it was only, I think, about five minutes into the footage when like the news anchors mm. popped back up and were like... Like, this is live from New York, like, right now. This is what's going on. My mum was like, holy fucking shit. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, mum thought it was a film. <laughs> yeah, so we got we got that. We got, like, 
more there was a few more like big news headlines this week like they've confirmed obviously that they have that the director of saw 10 is coming back for saw 11 there's rumors of a new texas chainsaw massacre movie coming out called mm. texas chainsaw legacy alien romulus has officially been titled a new predator movie got announced who's gonna be week. in the alien oh it's the dude from fucking shadow bone isn't it yeah it's, it's Il- isabella merced um, and alfie alfie i don't know how you say his name it's Alfie, though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, Afi, Ufi, it's A O U. It's like it, it, it's a weird oh, name. That's gonna annoy me now. I and can't uh, what his name is Kaylee Spaney's gonna be in it. They announced a new fucking Evil Dead movie this week. Did I tell you this shit? No. It's a fucking new Evil Dead movie coming out as well. Uh, they announced it like three days ago, so there's gonna be like a. So yeah, in the space. Archie Renault. Yeah, so in the space this week, they've announced new Predator. They've announced the official title for the new Aliens movie. We have got Saw news, Texas Chainsaw Massacre news. We got fucking, um, yeah, all kinds of fucking shit. Yeah, Evil Dead 6 is apparently coming. They're classing it as another spin-off. So it's going to be kind of like an Evil Dead Rise situation. But the guy who's directing it is a French director. Um, so I'm very interested to see what happens with this now. Goosebumps has been picked up for a second season. So yeah, it's been a wild like week in horror for like news. Um but I don't think there's any horror trailers dropping at the Super Bowl because they were meant to be dropping the day one trailer, but then they dropped it like three days ago. Um, interestingly as well, I'll talk about that Quiet Place trailer. Jaiman Honzu's in it. So I'm interested to see how he ends up going from like New York to that little island he ends up in in like the second one. Mm. Um, but yeah. So today we are covering our second movie for our Horror Parodies Month. What are we covering? We're covering The Blackening. Not the seminal 2007 metal album by Machine Head, as voted by Metal Hammer magazine as that metal album of the decade. Not that Blackening. The 2023 film by Tim... 22 film. Fuck off! I swear that movie came out last year. Well, 2022 according to uh, IMDb. Well, that might have been when it was made. It definitely came out last year. We We definitely did not watch this movie two years ago. A trade me to film. Can you get the UK release date up for me? Uh, so it was released on the 16th of June 2023. Yeah, but was it like but a festival film? I'm assuming film? it was festival. Uh, yeah, so it was at the Toronto International Film Festival Tiff. in 2022. Yeah, September 16th, 2022. Yeah, I hate it when they do that. So technically it did come out in 2022. Mm. Uh, yeah, it was released in the UK in August of 2023. Yeah. There you go. Good ass movie. That's the end of a podcast. That's it. That's it. That's our entire review. It's a good ass movie. Bye, guys. Um, but yeah, so The Blackening, which was released in 2022 at film festivals, 2023 in cinemas. Um, directed by Tim Story, mm-hmm. man of many stories. And written by Tracy Oliver, who, uh, what is on Girls Trip, apparently? And Hang on, Girls Trip, that's the that's the one with Luke Cage in it, and Jada Pinkett, and... Regina Hall, Queen Regina Hall. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That one. Uh, she also wrote uh, Barbershop, A Fresh Cut. Nice. Is I that, don't think I've seen A Fresh Cut, is that that's the newest one. The one that's got Keenan in it. The fourth one? Mm. The third one, I think, canonically, but including 
the girls one. Beauté shop. Beauté shop. I can't remember what it's called. Nicki Minaj is in that. Uh, she's indeed. And uh, Dwayne Perkins. Dwayne, Who is obviously also in this. Uh, what else does he work on? Uh, he wrote for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Nice. Good news. Um, Cast-wise for this film, we have... Right. Grace Byers as Alison. Jermaine Fowler as Clifton. Melvin Gregg as King. X Mayo as Shanika. Is that a rap name? I don't know. Her name is just X Mayo. Uh, I am assuming X Mayo is not, in fact. Uh, it, her surname is Mayo. Her first name, I am not going to attempt to pronounce because I will fuck Does it, it begin up. with an X? It begins with an X. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce that because I will fuck it up horrifically I'm just showing Simon it looks like it's Zochil or Zochi because it's 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 written similar to the girl who plays America Chavez in and her name is Zochi so I think you pronounce the X like a Z or a Z but yeah I think it's Zochi we'll go with that Uh, Dwayne Perkins is Dwayne Uh, Antoinette Robinson is Lisa Sinqua Walls as Namdi I'm going to go with that. Jay Farrow as Sean. Event Orgy as Morgan. Uh, Diedrich Bader as Ranger White. B. White. B. White. Uh, and then James Preston Rogers as Clive and Camden Connor. And George Fisher as Creepy Old Guy. <laughs> Mine's speakerphone. That's so rude. Creepy Old Guy. Um, and that is the cast, guys. Good job, Lee. We got through that. Uh Box office figures for this one. So I don't know if I have how much it cost to make. I may not, in fact. Oh, okay. Budget was $5 million. It's quite a low budget, actually. Uh, box office, it made $18.6 million. That's a success. And I believe that is worldwide. That is worldwide. Worldwide. Worldwide? Mm-hmm. Uh, Plotline for this film is... Seven friends go away for the weekend. Oh, no, it's doing it again. What? It won't let me open the... The... What is going on with the IMDb website? Seven friends go away for the weekend and end up trapped in a cabin with a killer who has a vendetta. Will their street smarts and knowledge of horror movies help them stay alive? Probably not. (laughs) It's actually on there. Probably not. Just straight up. Also, uh, the tagline for this movie, because this uh, was part of the reason I wanted to see the film in the first place, was um, we can't all die first, which is perfect. Mm-hmm. It's a great tagline. So, first and foremost, I do feel like we need to acknowledge that we are two white people talking about this film. So I do feel like part of some of this may go straight over our heads. Mm-hmm. Um, more than likely. I know there's a few jokes that like I've had to have explained to me mm-hmm. because I didn't quite understand them. <clears throat> and there are certain terminologies in this movie that we won't be using uh, because I feel even trying to explain it in like an educational or like to explain the joke of the film is still like racially insensitive. So I'm, yeah. I'm just not touching that. And Which to be honest, and to be honest, I don't fucking need to. <laughs> like, no. if you've seen the film, you know what I'm referring to. If you have any inkling of what the film is about, you know what it's referring to. Like, I don't need to explain it to you, and I certainly don't need to use the phraseology to explain it either. No. So, 
I'm not one of those people who will rap to a song and use the words because it's in a song. Don't we don't we don't have the uh, the free pass for that. <laughs> Mate, I seen what, it. What what skit is it? I can't remember who did the skit about getting like you have to call the hotline oh, to yeah. get the pass. It's on Instagram or TikTok or something. <laughs> I've seen it. But I mate, I, I genuinely I shit you not. I've seen it happen in real life. I saw like this little tiny fucking white girl, like milk bottle white, like <laughs> on a fu- on a fucking train once, like rapping along to Drake and using all of the words on a train in public. And I'm like, just because you're singing the lyrics to the song, that doesn't mean that you're exempt from like... I mean, to be fair, I'm, I'm kind of a free pass for that anyway, because I don't really listen to rap music. Mm-hmm. I think the closest I've ever come is I listen to Childish Gambino every so often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's about it. Mm. Oh, and uh, oh my God, what's their name? <sighs> there is another, I can't think what, what they're called. Doja Cat. No, it's not Doja. Um, <sighs> oh yeah, no, it's completely gone. They did a song with uh, Bastille years back. Craig and David. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I'm... How did I forget? Craig, David, no, it's going to annoy me now. Uh, but their album's called Tribe Called Red. I know that much. It's all I've got for you. Fair. Um, so, guys, I've completely blanked on uh, what their name is. Yeah, I was going to say something then. I can't remember no. what it was I was going to say. Craig, David, man. Um, let's, let's, let's talk about... Before we get into the film, let's talk about Tim's story. Tim Story is a man whose name sometimes strikes fear into my heart, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, I think it depends on what he's doing. Um, So Tim Story, for a certain section of people, will be well known for making the two Fantastic Four movies that came out in the early 2000s. So Fantastic Four and Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer, um, which he did have plans to make a third movie, but they all fell through uh, for various different reasons. Um, that was his real kind of shot at doing something sort of more mainstream and more franchise based. But this is a man who like knows his way around franchises. Mm-hmm. As we said, I think he's directed all of the Barbershop movies except for Beauty School. So that's three films. Uh, I think he only did the first one. Oh, he was involved in all of them, right? He may have been involved in all of them, but I think he only directed the first one. And he directed the two ride-along movies, which were The Ice Cube and Kevin Hart Vehicles. Uh, He did. He also did uh, Think Like a Man and Think Like a Man 2. Did he? Yeah. Oh, shit. And then recently he did that Christmas movie with Ludacris and Lil Ray Howell. What's his fucking name? Lil Ray Howell. Howry. Yeah, Lil Ray Howry, which is on uh, Disney Plus called Dashing Through the Snow. Um... So he's someone who, I think, what? He directed a music video for Genuine RL Tyrese and Case. As in, it's the Tyrese you're thinking of. Yeah. He did the music video for The Best Man I Can Be. (laughs) He directed a fuck ton of music videos. I'm just putting that out there now. Did he do one for Pony or Genuine? Uh, I don't know. He did uh, another music video for Tyrese. Uh, he directed the uh, music video for Thinking of You. And Sync. Oh, shit. Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> so, yeah, he's kind of one of those directors. Like, I've enjoyed his work. Like, I've never seen any of the Barbershop movies. Um, I love the Barbershop I've movies. I've seen both the Ride Long films. I've seen both the Fantastic Four movies that he directed. And I've seen this. 
So I think he's kind of one of those directors. He's kind of like a steady hand. He has a good grasp on, like, pacing of his films. His films are always, like, quite well paced. And they have a good energy to them. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say that he's a director where, like, he has, like, a signature. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't tell, like, if nobody told me that any of those movies were directed by him, like, I wouldn't have known no, otherwise. No, there's nothing specific about his films that we go. But one thing, one thing I will say is that as a black director, if you take the Fantastic Four movies away and you look at, like, things like Ride Along and you look at things like this, and I'm assuming, uh, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong on this, and I'm assuming with, like, the Barbershop movies, mm-hmm. he has a very good handle on, obviously, like, black culture because it's his culture, so... Yeah. You know, he has a he has a certain way of working with like obviously black actors and like working in that that black space, mm-hmm. which I think is why in a, in a lot of ways he's the perfect director to make a movie like this. Yeah. What you say? I just had a really fun uh fact about Tim's story. That started out super fun and hilarious and ended really sad. Okay. Uh so he was a rapper on Ice T's record label. Nice. Uh his rap name was MC Taste. It was McTaste. Like that. Uh, and then he quit rapping after his friend was killed in a gang shooting. Oh, shit. I was like, okay, that's hilarious. Oh. Mate, do you want to, do you want to know the funniest rapper? Actually, now that you've said it, do you want to know the funniest rapper to director <laughs> pipeline? So, you know Travis Knight, the guy who owns Leica Studios? Who's the son of Phil Knight, the guy who created oh, Knight? Like, yeah, yeah. So, he was a fucking rapper... And he is a middle-class white man from money who had a rap career. Then he parlayed his rap career into fucking starting a stop-motion animated film studio. What's his rap name? I can't remember. It was some. Oh, it was it some like fucking silly bollocks, like Little T or something fucking stupid like that. It was like Little T or or some. It was something fucking silly. But there's like some really stupid fucking music videos of him online. And um, he's kind of just like doing the whole Vanilla Ice thing. And it's really, really funny. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Travis Knight. I'm a very big fan of Travis Knight and his work. I think the work that he does with Leica is fucking great. And he directed the best Transformers. Chili tea. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was some like absolutely silly bollocks. Fucking chili tea. That's hilarious. But yeah, like I found it out recently. I think oh, that's it, cracked me. I think it was when I was doing some research when Air came out. And um, yeah, people mentioned that obviously like his dad funded his rap career and then obviously his dad used the money from Nike to fund Leica Studios and to become the CEO like he is co-CEOs of Leica Studios with his with his son which I think is fucking hilarious mate who knew that there was like a rapper to direct a pipeline well, I mean now we do mate chili tea <laughs> I can't wait I can't wait for Michael Bay's debut rap album Loading Bay this is him posing with a bunch of Transformers on the fucking album cover <laughs> Mate, could you imagine a David Lynch rap album? Oh god, no, that's terrifying. Please never never say those words. Don't put that out into the universe. Why D- would you do that? His name's D Lizzle, his album's called Coffee and Pie. <laughs> Please don't put that out into the universe, because he'll fuck he'll sense it. <laughs> Mate, I'd be fucking well up for a David He's just he's just sampling like the music from Twin Peaks, like in all of his fucking I reckon Lynch has got bars, man. I reckon he has. The guy created the. Go- this has gone so off, <laughs> yeah. off piece. So but yeah. Creepy. Anyway, so what? Like, what are your thoughts on Tim's story? Because I like, I don't mind him. I just think he's a bit of a journeyman director. Um, I mean, to be fair, I don't <coughs> really have. You know how I feel about directors. 
There are very few directors I have any kind of opinion on. Yeah. I was like, yeah, the director of film, good job. Yeah. What do you want? A fucking medal? Because <laughs> I don't, I don't think I've seen any of the Think Like a Man movies. Uh, I've seen both Think Like a Man movies, and I've seen three of the Barbershop movies. Yeah. I don't know how many of the Barbershop movies there are now, because I know I haven't seen the most recent mm-hmm. one. Um, but let's be honest, I only watched any of those films, because fucking What's-His-Face is in it. The guy uh, in... Michael Ely. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I have seen Thing Like a Man, because like, I've definitely seen a movie of that ilk with him in, and I don't think there's another one that I'm thinking of. Um, I don't think there is. I think that's the one. But yeah, because Kevin Hart's in one of them, right? Uh, he's in both of them. So yeah, he and he. I think it's him's story when I looked over his credits. He directed one of Kevin Hart's comedy specials, as well. So Kevin Hart's someone that he obviously enjoys working with. But you yeah, know, um, so like, yeah, I've seen I've seen a bunch of his films. But in all honesty, that was just because I saw Barbershop when I was relatively young, and I saw Michael Ely, and then I went, oh, I like him, mm. and then I went and watched a bunch of shit he was in because he's just super hot. Was, I mean, he's alright looking. <laughs> I don't he's alright looking I guess he, I just there's like a, if you like that handsome chiselled face I mean he's alright looking he do you know he, he looks like the guy who used to be in CSI because I always used to get hit, I always used to think he was the oh, guy I in know, CSI right. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and it's like he oh <laughs> that he he makes me very sad that man and I was going to say I th- I always think the guy from the cabin in the woods is the guy that's in Grey's Anatomy he is or, or am I thinking of... Because is he the guy that also got his dick out on yeah, yeah, stage yeah, in the theatre? Yeah, yeah. Also, so maybe, exceptionally hot So dude. maybe it's not him. Maybe it's Diana Ross's grandson that I'm thinking of that's married to Ashley Simpson who looks like him. Because, yeah. Cause I don't know what Diana Ross's there's two, grandson there's two, looks There's two like. sets of guys who I think look the same. It's Michael Ely and the guy from CSI. And it's the the Jesse Jesse Williams, is Jesse that his Williams, name? Jesse Williams, yeah. And the guy who's married to Ashley Simpson. Something Ross. I can't think of his surname. But he's like Diana Ross's grandson, I think. Who's he married to? Ashley Simpson. Formerly of Wenton Simpson at Turtles at Law. Evan Ross. Evan Ross. There you go. I think him and Jesse Williams look very similar. That's good. But I didn't realise that Jesse Williams was the guy in Cabin in the Woods. Uh, I can kind of see it, but he's no Jesse Williams. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he is. He's also the guy who he's uh, the guy coming in the woods, the guy in Grey's Anatomy, the guy who got his dick out on stage, and he's Marcus in Detroit. He's also in, in Until Dawn. Is he in that, or is he? In, he's in one of those dark castle anthology games. Maybe. Sure. If it's not that one, it's the boat one. I think. Maybe. But I can't. I can. I can neither <coughs> confirm nor deny because I've played. I played until dawn, but I never finished mm. it, so I don't. I can't. I can't tell you. Mm. He see, might be. See, this is like a this is like a weird thing for me. Like, kind of like what we were saying last week about a scary movie is like. I I don't really watch films like this mm-hmm. that are kind of like geared towards like a black audience mm-hmm. because I know that I'm not the target audience for them, and like I know that there are going to be like. It's not, and it's not, it's not like, it's not, to make it a race thing, it's not because I'm opposed to watching stuff created or starring black people or people of colour. It's just that 
that's a very specific thing that exists for like a very specific audience. And I'm like, it's filled with a lot of references that I just know that I'm not going to get. Mm-hmm. But I will say, when we watched this, because we'd seen it previously when it came out, and we, we watched did. this and we watched it for the second time, I realized how fucking funny this is. Mm-hmm. And I also kind of realized how like this is what we were saying that goes completely against the whole scary movie thing last week. This is what happens when you have a solid idea and you stick to that one specific idea and you don't veer off and you don't start making... Because there's a couple of moments in this where I was kind of watching it through the lens of like, if this had been created by the Wyans brothers or that like pyramid of people that created... The, the the quote-unquote movie franchises. There's a scene towards the end of this where Clifton goes outside the house, but halfway through, and he goes, oh, he's got the, like, stick or whatever it is that he's got. And he goes, have you seen The Hunger Games? He's like, I enjoyed the films, but I, like, I enjoyed the books, but I didn't like the films. And you know damn well, if this was a scary movie movie, fucking Katniss would just randomly pop up out of the woods or... Like, the Hunger Games music would play. Mm-hmm. And that's what I kind of enjoyed about this. It wasn't... Like, a movie that... Was, it had very specific references to very specific things in it. Like, cultural things. Mm-hmm. And, like, time period specific things. But it was never... So, obviously, there are certain elements of it that are going to exist in, like, 2023. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, like, trying to make tired references to, like, old shit for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't going for the obvious joke. I mean, there are some obvious jokes in it. But it wasn't going for the obvious, like... Yeah. The thing- I feel like with this movie is this movie very much reminds me of Scream. Yeah. Of it plays into all of the expected tropes and then twists them slightly. Um, I had a thought and that thought was going somewhere (laughs) and that thought has just flown out of my head and now I've got no idea where I was fucking going with it. Um... But you are this movie. This movie is more of a. I would say it's more of an homage to horror in general, and especially the treatment of black characters in mm. horror films, um, which like is renowned as well. Even friends I, I have friends who like don't watch horror movies will be like, oh, you know, like it's always the black person who dies first, and if there's no black person in the cast, it's the gay character who dies first, or the Hispanic character, yeah. or blah blah blah. And weirdly enough, we'd had this conversation on my on my leaving drinks uh, for my previous job. And in our entire department, there was one non-white member of staff, Jason. And we were going on the table and we, we were doing it silly like we were quite drunk. And they were like, oh, if this was a horror movie, like who would die first? Mm. And literally, I went, it'd be Jason. And literally, they went, Jason, how do you feel about that? And he literally <laughs> looked at them and went, it would be me. I'm not white. Yeah. Like, I've seen horror films. I know how this fucking works. And I like that this plays on that to a degree. Because... A, one of them has to die first anyway. But, like, even the tagline plays into it. of Like, we can't all die first. Yeah. Like... Um, and I did really... I, I, it's one thing I love about this film is it does play into... It plays into all of the tropes you see used around black characters in horror films. Mm. Well, not so much anymore. I do feel like we have started to make moves into uh, more rounded casting and less yeah. the black guy dies first, like, and all of the shit we constantly see, especially mm. in, like, the 90s and early 2000s. 
in relation to black characters and horror films. Uh, but this film plays so well into all of those fucking tropes. Mm-hmm. And they even make each of their characters a different specific black character trope. Yeah. I mean, the the great thing about this this film is is obviously it's a comedy first and foremost. And I think the I think the really great thing about this film is is in the writing. It's like every single character in this movie feels like a real person. Mm-hmm. And I like, feel like it's slightly <laughs> satirized. Yeah. Satirized. Like that's what I was going to say like if you if you take away if you lower the number of N-words in this movie by about 40% and you slightly change some of the dialogue, like, this goes from being, like, a, a parody to Get Out or fucking, like, Us very, very quickly. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because yeah. they all feel like genuine characters that are reacting the way that those characters would react in that situation. The only joke in this movie that they I wish that they'd made that they didn't make is referencing Joel from Scream 2. I just wish there's a moment in this movie where someone calls a fucking Uber and just gets in an Uber and just leaves. <laughs> like Joel does in Scream 2. Like that would just be the funniest shit. There is certain jokes in this film, though, that every time I hear it, it cracks me up. Oh, yeah. The When they're all trying to guess, like, the where the... Um, name all of the black people who have appeared in Friends, but name five black actors who have appeared in Friends. And they're like, that's incorrect. The correct answer is like, I've never seen that show. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so funny to me. I can't remember what the, the setup is, but it's when the one character goes, oh, it's personal, personal. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he said our names. It's personal, personal. personal. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. And there's a few, um, there's a line when fucking King goes, and that's why I married a white girl. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, bitch, we've got coffee and murder podcasts. We are no better. Yeah. There's some really there's some really great shit in this. It's like when King and Nanda is it Nanday? Oh, you're gonna ask me to remember his name off the top of my yeah, head, aren't the you? The big the big Winston Duke looking guy. Um he goes he, the muscular when one. he when he um... when he calls he calls King's wife a bitch and he's like did you just call my wife a bitch he's like yeah but in like the colloquial way like yeah you have those tacos bitch <laughs> and he just kind of looks at him and he's like uh, i'm fucking with you i'm fucking with you like, yeah he's like i'm fucking with you like it's just shit like that that's really like yeah. oh no my, i think because the thing is as well is there's so many great characters where he's like cause there's that conversation and he's all like i've chilled out and he's like well you're not even you've not even got a gun he's like no i've brought a gun with me and then literally 20 minutes later and he's like i knew you had a fucking gun yeah and it's when he's talking about being married to a white woman and he's like oh you are in the sunken place it's like he's like yeah balls deep my brother <laughs> it's just like it's just like the funniest fucking like stupid shit but like i do have to ask though what is the card game they're playing oh that is like the central point it's of called the plot. it's it's called Spades, but I don't know what it's meant to I'm be. I'm gonna have to go it's look kind up of like, what Spades is. It's kind of like Cups in Friends. There's a game they play in Friends called Cups, and no one knows how the fuck you play it. Everyone just knows. I know Spades it. is like a real game. Okay. Like, I know it's a real game, but I don't. Uh, I just I was like I don't know what it is. Two or more players, standard four fifty two deck. Uh, spades are always a trump card. That makes sense. Uh, I have no idea. May this seems like it's really complex. Yeah, well, that's what they say. They they make a run- there's a running joke in it about you have to learn how to play it. Yeah, I understand now why Clifton didn't understand how to play this game. Yeah, Clifton's like fuck this shit. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm, out. I'm, I'm good. 
I get it. I'm like, I'm like, I'm with. Like, it sounds very complicated. I might have to try and figure out how to play it at some yeah. point, just out of sheer curiosity. But I like, fucking love a card game. This is a this is a movie that's like it's it's very funny, but it's it is it is more of a parody than a spoof. I think because it doesn't do like the stupid spoofy humor, like it does more of the parody type humor. I do feel as well. I don't even. I don't even know if I'd say it's a parody. I do feel like it's more of a comedic homage mm. than a parody. Mm. Like it, it, obviously, it parodies horror movies. Obviously, that's the whole point of this film. But it does feel more like it's. It's, it's never mean spirited. It's never, um, like digging fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it does feel more like they're homaging like movies. Mm. Historically, uh, another scene that gets me because I'm talking like my brain reminds me is the bit where fucking oh what is her name? We'll be glad to know this has continued. Shanika uh, fucking does the fucking sister act two mm-hmm. <laughs> line. Uh, Alison, I want to say yeah. Oh, mate, it's a... Uh, if you want to be somebody, if you want to go somewhere, you better wake up and pay attention, which is fucking Sister Act 2, mm-hmm. which is hilarious to me. Because it's such a quick reference, and I feel like if you haven't seen that movie in a ridiculous amount of times, it kind of would go over your head. Mm-hmm. But, mate, such a good such a good reference. Yeah, and they, like, they make references to, like, a lot of stuff in this. They reference the people on the stairs at one point. That's, like, right at the very yeah, beginning, isn't it? Yeah, which is fucking <laughs> great. Because he says, oh, it wasn't a Dateline NBC story. He said, that was the people blog people on the, the stairs. stairs. <laughs> which is fucking brilliant. And then oh, they... they reference us. Yeah, the, the, uh, the mask that the killer's wearing looks like a cross between the gimp mask worn by the guy in People on the Stairs and the collector's mask from the collector. They obviously, I think the videotape thing is clearly a reference to Saw. Yeah. Like, that's the only thing that I could think of off the top of my head where I was like, that would make sense for it to be a reference to Saw. I do feel Saw. like the split up part in that when the uh, old Detective White, whatever his fucking name is, Park Ranger White, be is white. all like, um, I'll be back, a references to Scream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They actually do make a direct uh, dialogue reference to Scream. It's at the end when one of the guys is like dying. He's like, I feel a little woozy here. He actually <laughs> says it like Matthew Lillard does, which is really fucking funny. Oh, when King is... Is it King or is it... Um... Yeah, it's King. He's on the crutches. Like, I feel a little woozy here. Yeah. Um, and then they make, a, they make a direct reference to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Because that's when Alison goes, I... I haven't seen that movie white people scare me and they're like isn't your dad white and she's like yeah and <laughs> he's literally the car at the beginning isn't also it? did you miss the visual joke about her at the beginning as well so they they um they go into the house and they're like oh there's a picture of you on the wall and it's a fucking, oh, the it's zebra, a zebra yeah, 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 which is yeah. again really funny because which is her she's one of my favorite characters there's a scene also when they're like uh, pick the blackest member of your group mm-hmm. And then, like, they turn on Alison briefly. And she's like, no, 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 hang on. <laughs> you consistently pick shit at me for being half white. Yeah, and then later on, she has that monologue where she's like, I might be half white, but, like, I'm all black. And she go, yeah, like, goes yeah. off as well. Because, yeah, like, blackness and the idea of, like, blackness is a really, like, big part of this film. And obviously they make references to, like, Donald Trump and Black Lives Matter. Because there's that fucking joke where Clifton goes... When they when they're trying to vote him as like the blackest, he's like, I voted for Trump, Trump motherfuckers, and he's twice. like, and then and then as he's leaving, he mutters under his breath, "It's like all lives matter," which is just like fucking hell. But I do like as well that they are. I do feel like each of the characters is a 
not a parody, but is kind of a satire on the black characters who appear in movies. Yeah. Yet each of them do represent to a degree. I know obviously this is kind of that is quite like shoved to the forefront, like all of the like little things people tend to mm-hmm. think. But they all kind of represent different parts of black culture as yeah. well. Um, because they do keep referencing that fucking Leger gone again. I've forgotten people's names. No, uh, Namdi. Mm. I literally have the cast list in front of me because I'm like, oh, I don't remember people's fucking names. Um, we keep referencing that Namdi's African. Yeah. And he's like, I'm pretty sure at one point where they say it, he's like, my dad's South African. I was born yeah. in Oakland. <laughs> yeah, and then he's like, Raiders, Fruitvale <laughs> Station, Michael B. Jordan. He just starts saying, fucking, um, <laughs> he just starts reeling off all this shit that proves that he was like born. <laughs> and fucking Shanika goes, that just makes you even more black. Yeah, yeah, it's really fucking funny. Oh, mate, honestly, this is the kind of, so this film brings me so much joy. I would sit and watch this film basically on fucking repeat because mm. it is hilarious. Yeah. Like, even though I know some of the jokes go straight over the top of my mm-hmm. fucking head, this film is so funny. And I think especially now that I've seen so many horror films, mm-hmm. this film is fucking hilarious. Yeah. And it's so well done. Because I know obviously you said it's not really a film generally like you would watch because like it's not directed towards you. But I do feel like this film does a really good job of anybody can watch it. Yeah, 100%. And it's still funny. Yeah. There are a few jokes that like aren't near to the knuckle. Yes. Um, Like probably... I, I I feel like I say that more because I'm white. Mm-hmm. Probably not so much uh, if I was black. I feel like maybe yeah. it wouldn't... I, cause there's certain jokes that like I will chuckle at watching it, mm-hmm. but then afterwards I'll be like, oh, now I feel bad mm-hmm. for laughing at that. Yeah. Like the, the entire end scene of this film. Mm-hmm. I also... One of the <laughs> things... Like, this is going to sound like a weird thing to say. Obviously, we don't have a lot of black friends or we don't know a lot of black people or we don't have a lot of black work colleagues. But one thing that's... And maybe this is just like a sign of like maybe my whiteness or maybe just like my potential ignorance for having not run in those social circles. But like I always find it fascinating with like American comedies, especially a film like this, where dialogue-wise, they basically use the N-word, like a comma. And part of me is like, is that on purpose to drive home the comedy and the idea that this is how black people speak in real life? Or are black people just using that word as liberally as, as like, media would want you to believe? I do feel like it's kind of a 50-50 flip on that one. Because I do think it's very dependent on the person. Mm. Uh, like, you met my friend Tom. Tom doesn't use it a lot. Uh, I don't think you met my friend Shanice. Shanice used to use it like a fucking comma. Yeah. And, but, like, she directs it at people as well. Like, she called me it, and I'm like, bitch. <laughs> but then you... you <laughs> I'm milk <coughs> bowl, baby. This is... <laughs> you kind of just You kind of just look at it and you go... Uh, have they written this dialogue because they think that's what the audience expects or are they trying to like tap into the audience that's going to go and see this film? I do feel and, like it's, yeah. I think it's, it's, it's much like with anybody, like I swear a lot, I use the C word. I know plenty of people who get yeah. insulted by that and a lot of women because obviously 
well, the connotations of it. Yeah. I use I will happily sit and use fucking cunt as like commas yeah. in my sentences. I guess it is like when you go watch a guy guy Ritchie movie and everyone's like, so people in London just call each other cunts every phase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like I do I mean? feel like it is. It's again, it's very yeah. like, a dependent thing. But yeah, like my friend Shanice, like I'm just there. Like she would call me, and I'm like. Baby yeah. fucking girl. I don't know if you've seen me. Anyone who's what listening to this, I think there's a picture yeah. on, on the Instagram for the podcast. I am milk ball fucking yeah. white. I don't, I don't, like, it doesn't, it, obviously it wouldn't offend me because it's not a word that is offensive towards me. But, but I'm not offended by the amount that it's used in the film. But it's also just kind of like one of those things, it's like, the word still in the wrong hands and coming out of the wrong mouths holds so much potency <sighs> that I think sometimes it's just that, that part of your brain that's like, am I hearing this word this many times? Like, have, like... you? I, I would have loved to have done like, count. But also, I do <clears> feel <throat> like it's one of those words so much like... You um, never want to become desensitised to it and what it's like, its place mean. in, like, but history. But it's the same with, like, so in the like, LGBTQ community, like, a lot of we've started claiming like a lot of words back like queer mm-hmm. has been reclaimed now and will get used a lot um the f word i won't use it because i do know um people are like there are a lot of people the who are still quite sensitive to it the d word um like they've all kind of been reclaimed yeah to a degree and like are used with the community i mean queer has now become like an overarching umbrella mm. yeah uh, obviously for a while it was it was a slur and you know it yeah. wasn't used um and I feel it's kind of a similar thing of it's been reclaimed now and it's fine for the people within that community yeah. to use it because there's still a lot of trauma. I mean, obviously, I know it's very different within the... Com- <laughs> it is and it isn't, mm. but it's similar within the queer yeah. community, whereas if you are in that community, uh, you have more leeway using... Well, it's depending on where you sit within the community... Yeah. Um, like I, I use the word queer quite a lot to describe myself. I use it to yeah. describe a lot of my friends. Um, like I know I've got lesbian friends who mm-hmm. use the. I won't say them because I do know a lot of people do still have quite a lot of trauma atta- attached to those words. But we'll use the D word yeah. uh, to reference herself and her misses. Um, you know, I have gay friends yeah. who use the F word in reference to themselves and their friends. Um, but so think- it's become like it. It's fine for mm. them to use it. But if I was out and somebody, if I was out with like my my, mm. my lesbian friends and somebody used the D word towards mm. me in a derogatory way, like that wouldn't be okay. Yeah, and I think I think that's a problem. And I also think it's kind of weird to me that people seem to think that because a community used that word, and this is across the board as well, the queer community, the Latino community, the black community. That because that community used that word, it's then it's okay a, it for a anybody yeah. to use. Looking at you, Papa John. But it's and and I do think there's sometimes really difficult to get through people's heads. Is yeah, I'm fine. I'll call myself queer. I will, you know, I will call my best friend words that you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, to anybody else would be quite derogatory, but that's my best friend. And that's how yeah. we speak to each other. Um. But I would never dream of using that word mm. directed at somebody in not even a hateful way, but without knowing where their boundary yeah. sits. Well, I think that's I think that's the interesting juxtaposition about this movie because at its heart it is a comedy and it is very funny. But it's a movie that's also set on Juneteenth. That's why they are at the cabin. Juneteenth stands for so it's 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 June nineteenth mm-hmm. in eighteen sixty five was the day that slavery was abolished. Okay. Um 
And then obviously it's become a big part of like black history. And obviously June 19th then becomes Juneteenth, which is why they are at the cabin in the first place. Mm -hmm. So obviously there's all the trauma and all of the associations with that and that being a big part of the story. And then obviously the game piece in the center of the game is obviously quite racially explicit as well. And then obviously all of the references to like Jim Crow and obviously what that meant for black people in that, that time in America. So you've got all of these references to like really traumatic events in black history, but then you put that with like, you know, that's a lot of things that what that came from like America at that time and where it was culturally and obviously from a very like white to black sort of communities and the, the racial hatred that was there. Mm, yeah. And then obviously you see them in the film using the words that would have been used in those times to like hold them down and it's kind of it's that weird juxtaposition of like you have reclaimed your word for yourselves and you're happy to say it amongst your friends and in your peer group but then obviously there are still things here that remind you of that trauma and you don't expect a comedy film to like you know, they don't make a massive thing about the fact that it's set on Juneteenth. It's mentioned at the beginning. But obviously there's... There's a massive you know, Juneteenth flag yeah. in the living room And then well. there's, like, obviously the Confederate flag that you see, like, later on when they're in the house. There's obviously, like, the banjo music and the references to that kind of, like, Deep South kind of, like, and all that cult culture and stuff that goes with it. And you're just like, you guys who made this film were, like, really clever in like what things you put in this and, and how you mix the comedy well, and the is, like yeah well because the thing is as well is this movie made me question on things because i don't know a lot about black history i don't know i definitely don't know that much about american black history i mean american history is still on the ground anyway i'm british well february the month we're in right now is black history month i know it is so um, I, i'm aware of that i do know that <clears> thing um but like so my i I know very little about American history across the board. I know you jumped on tea and a half. We had a falling out, whatever. Um, but I don't really know a lot. I know there was like the Civil War and there was like the Confederate mm -hmm. and everything like that. And it mostly just confuses me. Um, so like watching this film, like I didn't know what Juneteenth was. I, like, a lot of stuff had to get explained to me or I had to go and look up because I, I would like, I had no fucking clue what any yeah. of it was. So it's, it's an interesting film, especially watching from somebody who doesn't have that knowledge already, because it made me go and look it up, because yeah. I was like, well, now I need to, like, am I missing some part of the context? Yeah. Like, what is going on? Um, which is really weird, because, like, normally a film like this wouldn't make you... you someone goes, oh it's, a, oh, it's a horror movie. It's a horror comedy about black characters and horror films. You just be like, oh, it's going to be a silly, funny movie. But, like, it does legitimately make you want to go and check things out. Because, like, yeah, I, I mean... I didn't look up what Spades was, obviously, at the time we first yeah. watched this, but that wasn't that important like, to me at the this time. Is, this is the thing. It does... It does. I, I don't think it hides them, but it, it does put those, like, cultural and, like, you know, heightened racial issues in there. Like, it highlights things that, like, you know, a lot of black uh, writers and creatives are trying to, you know, put into their, to their work more. Um, and obviously bring more to the forefront. Mm. And I think, like, you know, a lot of the conversations they have around this about, like, interracial heritage and, like, what does that actually mean? Like, you know, it's a conversation that, like, Jordan Peele and Keegan-Michael Key have had quite a few times because they both come from, like, interracial families and they're both in interracial marriages. And they're like, well, am I black? Am I white? 
like am I more one or the other? Yeah. And that comes up quite a lot in this. And it's like you know, this is it's thing. really interesting. You've got these really like moments of real comedy, but then you've got these moments where you're like, fucking hell like that. They're having like real actual discussions yeah. about stuff. Oh and it's one of those weird things. So I do love like there is a there is a running theme through this film of like not just what does it mean to mm-hmm. be black, but what makes you the most black. Yeah. Like what makes you that that in a friend group, what I like and so for for a little bit of context for anyone who who doesn't really know me, I grew up in the north, which is not a very um, multicultural. Well, parts of it are very multicultural. Where Think I Game of Thrones, up, but without the wolves. Well, parts of it are <laughs> like parts of yeah. the north are quite multicultural, but where I grew up was not. So no. in my entire school, we had uh, two Chinese siblings, and we had for about three months one black student. Yeah. That was it. Mm-hmm. So until I moved to the South Coast, I never really interacted mm-hmm. with anybody of kind of a different race because of different. You like the 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 siblings were in a much higher year yeah. group than me, and the one student we did have only was in the school for three months and then left. So when I moved here, I kind of. It was a. It was. I don't want to say it was a culture shock, but it was like a very weird moment in my life where I was like. Oh fuck! Like, what? Yeah, because the the college I went to here was very multicultural. Had a massive international student program, so I was kind of thrown in this yeah. very northern girl who no one understood. <clears throat> and you very you very quickly get used to seeing different faces, hearing different accents, and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And it's really weird. But I remember the first time, not the first time I heard somebody kind of throw a slur. I will say at any of my friends with my friend AJ and it was weirdly enough coming from another set of the black students because she I won't say the word but they it would have been used to refer to the fact that she was quite white although she was yeah. dark skinned yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the first time I'd ever heard that phrase. I remember she was very upset about it and she had I like I had to sit with her and be like I'm really sorry they said that and then I was like I don't under like a, no clue what that meant mm-hmm. and it it was weird to see that kind of thrown at her especially from other black students yeah because it wasn't like she was <coughs> a mixed heritage both of her parents were black yeah. but she was just a light very well no 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 she was no, it wasn't that but she was just very well spoken yeah. i don't want to say it because it sounds really horrible but quite white yeah, yeah in yeah. her like yeah. the way she held herself and the way she spoke and it, i think that was the first time i was introduced to the fact that there's like certain people who view you by your skin color yeah. but also people who view you by how you hold yourself but regardless think, yeah. of your skin color and it's, it's the idea of like you know different ethnicities being racist towards each other but then there's also racism within your own ethnicity as well based on like your own heritage and your own place within that culture and it's like it's like chris rock tells a joke and he tells a joke about like the difference between what would be classed as traditional black people and then what like i guess a certain group of people would call the n-words but also inside black culture and he's like and then he kind of breaks down why you know if you walk into a room and you've got this subsection of black people and this subsection these people would be referred to as this and these people would be referred to as that. Yeah. And it's kind of the idea. And, and they break that down a lot in this movie. Well, that's which why is I mean, not... Because like, yeah. like, that 
that with her is what made me think is how I feel about the character Alison in this Mm -hmm. is they're constantly shoving in her face that she's half white. Yeah. And it, it blows my mind consistently throughout this film (laughs) because I just, I'm really, but to be fair, I, I say that, but then I also witness it across the board. And this is going to sound really weird, but it's like very similar to like, I'm white British Mm -hmm. Or we have friends who are Polish, uh, Russian, blah, 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 blah. And I've not been there when it's happened, but I've heard from, like, one of our friends, like, her being on a bus speaking Polish, and she will get abuse thrown at her because, Mm -hmm. yes, she's white, but she's not the right kind of white. Yeah. And it blows my fucking mind every single time. And it's like... It's not even just Alison's character. It's like King's character as well. The fact that he's married, oh, yeah, to, a white he's married woman, to a white woman. And they were like, you know, they talk about how that's like dulled his edge and changed who he is as a person. And like, that's obviously something that's explored in Get Out quite a lot. And yeah. it's, it's so fascinating because not being part of that culture and not being in that kind of like, or having social circles where you see that sort of stuff, you never really think, you never really think about it and you never really think about, but then it's like, it's like in the UK, like you'll have like people from the South Coast that are racist towards people from the North or like people from the, you know, the West being like racist towards other people. Like because you come from a different part of the country. So you're seen as like a lesser than person, even though the fact that you're like still British white people. And it's like and this isn't to like make it a, a thing about like white people at all. But it's just like it's it's weird to kind of see a film that plays so hard and fast with its comedy actually take the time to and this is what i was saying at the beginning of the episode to make its characters feel real and to have those moments in these films where you're just like you know as you said like you know there's a lot of stuff in this movie that you maybe weren't as educated on and you're sitting there and you're like thinking i would expect this from a jordan peele movie or a stephen mcqueen movie or you know some what like any number of like other black creatives, you would expect it from like, I don't want to say highbrow because that's the wrong context, but you'd expect it from like a drama movie or a more like elevated film. You wouldn't expect it from a comedy film that is basically like a parody that's meant to be parodying these Mm. things, but is actually tackling those like real world issues. And especially as well, like it must be, it must be such a strange thing as well to like, you know, see like, two of the killers in the movie being white and then see the confederacy flag but then like you know have to deal with the fact that you are talking about characters that do have like interracial like families or like interracial heritages and it's like you know you see that and that represents like x number of people the same way that like you know your culture is viewed by a certain number of people because of minorities within your culture you're viewed as that on like a wider scale and it's like it it must bring so many like Oh, yeah. different things and different emotions and stuff to the forefront and yeah. it's it's one of the best aspects of the film I think is the writing and the fact that they have decided to not shy away from any of that stuff yeah to tell us back on though because you, you raise a really interesting point about like the treatment of people around England depending on what part of England you're from obviously I'm from the north originally I am from the south less, less what I was <laughs> going to say but like and then I moved here I was still relatively young. I was like 16, not very old. And basically got thrown head first. I was here a day and then got I went straight into college. 
for anyone who's not from England, I don't know if you've ever heard a northern accent, like a thick northern accent, but it's quite, it's very different from a Queen's English, we'll say. I remember coming here at 16 and basically having my teachers, my fellow students, uh, anybody I interact with go, what are you saying to me? Yeah. No, I don't understand. I can't understand what you're saying. Yeah. Can you pronounce your words properly? Yeah. Well, can you speak English properly, please? You're very close to me right now. I know, I'm sorry. But, like, I'd never really thought about that until this moment. Yeah. And, like, it's weird that I completely accept that I don't have an accent anymore because of that. Yeah. Because I had to train myself out of my natural accent so that people would understand what I was saying. Because I used to cut off a lot of letters, talk quite quickly, just the way the northern accent runs. Um, but like that, I never really thought about it until this moment. Like I had to train myself to speak like everybody around me because they were like, oh, you don't understand what you're saying. I'm still speaking fucking English. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I just brought up, I just brought up something for me. Thanks for that, babe. Yeah, but it's like you've mentioned previously, like your friend Shanice, like people like of black heritage, like having to like straighten their hair because they want to like not have people ask some questions about having an afro or having like oh yeah that kind of like hair so they kind of they kind of do things that kind of like lessen not lessen themselves but like dull parts of themselves so they don't have to deal with those culturally and racial insensitive questions yeah like i watch people come up to her at work and be like oh my god can i touch your hair and i'm like yeah you don't do that like that's not but it's like it's like you wouldn't ask me if you could touch my eye my hair's dead straight boring plain old hair but i'm like you wouldn't ask me if you could touch my hair yeah so why is it okay for you to ask shanice if you can touch her and yeah she used to get it braided quite a lot just to stop people from trying to touch her hair trying to treat it like a novelty almost yeah you know and she had beautiful hair but yeah so like the reveal of who the killer is is quite interesting in the film like when you find out that it's clifton who's like done everything basically the guy who's playing a version of jiff from bowfinger um (laughs) But yeah, like that, the whole idea again, it, it comes full circle and it, it's that big question of like, you know, what does it mean to be black and the blackness? And that's yeah. how he kind of wants to get revenge on them for them teasing him at a party. Is it a college party they're at? Yeah, it's at their college like, party. You know, they're, I think they, so they're playing, they're playing spades. He yeah. comes back around to spades and he falsely says that he doesn't have any spades. Yes, I think that's right. Or any clubs. It's yeah. one of the two. Clubs. And he does, I'm assuming, I don't really know how it's played. Um, and they all start teasing him and Alison says, that's it, we revoke your black card. Yeah. And then he goes on to basically get drunk, kill a girl. Yeah. And ruin his life. Yeah, yeah vehicular manslaughter. And then this entire thing is feeding back into that exact moment when they told him he wasn't black enough. He is now punishing them mm-hmm. for that by making them choose which one of them is black enough. Yeah. It's very clever. Like it's Oh, a, it's so it's, clever. It's, and like the first time I saw this, I didn't see the killer coming. Like, oh, no. Or, well, I guess technically he's not the killer because he, hi- like, he hires the two racist twins he to be the He kills the first two. Yeah. But he hires the racist... Oh, Jay Farrow like, and... Yeah. His, um, his partner. His partner. Yeah, but he hires the two confederacy twins to, like kill for him mm-hmm. and then he obviously is revealed to be the mastermind hundred dollar per per kill yeah it's like a grand or it's something a grand because a fucking <laughs> Dwayne is like 
there's not even a grand here. Is this all worth? And then he's like putting he's it in his money pocket. In his pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, to be fair, that is nearly a thousand dollars. You can, that's some good money. So yeah, I I do I do like the way that it all comes full circle. It, it, you know, it's, it goes back to the, those kind of questions that the movie's been sprinkling throughout, and like, what what you know, what is your identity almost? And mm-hmm. Like. Yeah, I, I I quite like Clifton as a character. I think he's like really funny. Like he he's there's some really funny stuff in this movie with him. Yeah. Like when he when he's like fucking, uh, he throws his bag at Dwayne. He's like, "Sure, I can put my bag." He just throws it, and like nobody knows his fucking name, but he seems to. Like, uh, uh, do you know what's really fucking funny as well? It's like if you re- if you rewatch the movie and you really pay attention to it. Knowing that he's the one that sets up the game and everything, and like he's answering all the questions, and then obviously he would know the answers to the questions because he set the fucking game up. But then when it goes, when it's revealed at the end that the reason why he's done it is because his blackness was questioned, yet he's the one that seems to know more about black history and black culture than the rest of them. Like, it's that really nice balance of like. I also do love because, um, so. There's two things with his character that kind of give it away quite early in the film. Mm-hmm. The first one being that he is the only member to have an Android phone. Yes. Uh, which I'm not saying because I don't like Android. I'm an Android girly. To be clear, we're, but we're Android in this house. But Apple will not let their products be used by villains in films. Mate, I'm fucking sure some of them motherfuckers in screen movies. I'm sure Ghostface. I'm sure fucking Jack Quaid's Ghostface has got a fucking iPhone. I don't think he does. I'm pretty sure he's got a Samsung. Nah, man, because he, he fucking I when well we'll, we'll have to way, we'll have to have I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Ghostface has got one anyway. in one of them. And also, um, when they're handing out the tokens, uh, they don't give Clifton one, but mm. he's holding one when the camera comes around to him. He's got the dice in his hand. Yeah, which are two like really early nods to the fact that he's the villain. Either that or they cut a scene where she hands him the token. Yeah, and they also make a reference to the fact that he wasn't invited. But and uh, but he just showed up anyway, and then he can't prove that he was invited. His phone's dead. Yeah, but he's like, yeah, but it's like that raises suspicion straight away. They're like, why is he there? <laughs> like, he's just some like weird fucking dude hanging around. But yeah, I I love his character, man. He's so funny. Oh, I just thought of another fucking joke that kills me in this film. Mm-hmm. So you know when they're in the woods and a fucking. Alison, I want to say it's Alison, is sat on the floor and King goes, come on, you can do this. What would Rosa Parks do in this situation? <laughs> she's literally like, she sit down, he's like, uh, fuck that, didn't I? <laughs> Every time I'm like, yeah, you're right, she did. Yeah. It's yeah. such a great joke because it like, A, if you don't know who Rosa Parks is, I feel like it would encourage you to go and be like, well, why is that joke funny? Yeah. I'll go and look Also, it up. if you don't know who, who she is, why the fuck don't you know who she is? I mean, it's a good question. Like... It's a very famous woman. Um, but that that joke it is such a smart fucking joke. Yeah. And it's just King's face after he says it. And he's like, I fucked that. It was not the moment to use that reference. 100%. So, good film. Uh, do you have any final thoughts and a score for me on this one? Uh, I don't really think there's anything to say about this film I haven't already said. I think it's a really fun I do think it is honestly a great film. And it's the kind of film you can re-watch. So, like, watching it this time, I definitely caught shit I didn't catch mm-hmm. the first time. Um, They've announced a sequel. I don't know how I feel about this. 
because they said they said that they envisioned the sequel to be like more scary movie-esque rather than like Knives Out. So I think they were intending to keep the same cast and have it like just different stories featuring the same cast rather than like different stories and different casts. Mm. But I don't know, man. It depends. If they've got a good story, then like by all means, because there's like a bunch of different like horror things they can like do with this. This is kind of like a cabin in the woodsy like type of movie. They could do like a fucking haunted house one. They could do like all kinds of fucking shit if they wanted to. But it depends if the story's good. If if they can come up with a story and write a film that's as good as this, I'll watch at least one more of these. I don't want like five of these. Cause I feel like I feel like maybe you get away with doing another one, another two maybe. But then I then I think you're in danger like with scary movie of the joke where I'm pretty Diminishing thin. returns. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, I don't know how I feel about I'll probably I will probably watch it though, because yeah. I do really like this film. Um I think it's a really great film. I think it's really fun. Mm-hmm. Weirdly. I, I yeah, um, I think it also does a really good job of balancing comedy, horror, and also like as you said, like peppering through a lot of stuff about like black history and everything like that. Um, yeah, I don't I'd give it. See, part of me is like it should be a four, but then another part of me is like I don't know what it could have done to be a five. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I yeah. feel like I should give it a five, but I also feel like I'm trying to be a little bit harsher this year because mm-hmm. I was throwing out fives left, right and centre last year. She even married one. Hey! Um. So it, with, with that in mind, I'm going to give it a five. Yeah. <laughs> same. For exactly the same reasons you said. It's smart. It's funny. It's well directed. It's well written. It's well acted. Hits all the tropes you'd expect it to do. Puts a lot of like cultural, culturally significant and racially significant references in. Um, I would be fascinated to know because we have, there's a few podcasts that we're friends with that are like black creators, like Homies of Horror, uh, D810, shout out to shout out to the crew. Like I would love to get that kind of take on this because I like, obviously there's a lot of this movie that's geared towards those guys that isn't geared towards me. So I'd be fascinated to kind of like hear from our friends what they thought. Um, but yeah, I, I love this movie. I think this movie's fucking hilarious. Um, yeah, I can't really say anything more than that. Um, and on that subject, we will be back next week. Well, first and foremost, we'll be back on Friday with a look at Jacob's wife, finally, starring Auntie Barbara. She's coming back, back again. Um, so that's going to be on Friday. That's going to be our crossing the stream episode. And then we'll be back next. I have no context for that. Is, but... We will be back next Monday with our friend Greg Latham coming on to look at what we do in the shadows, the film, not the TV series. So two two new episodes coming up, one on Friday, one on Monday. As always, you can find us on social media, S-I-M-A-H-F pod, so I'm a horror fan, uh, all lowercase, all one word, on Tumblr, Instagram, and S-I-M-A-H-F pod, as mentioned, on Twitter slash X. Thank you guys for your continued support. As always, stay spooky, stay safe, take care guys, bye bye.